Well, hello, hello. Yes, it is just I today, your friendly neighborhood sandwich. Uh, so let's start off the show by saying welcome to this week's episode of Geek Stuff TNG, the sandwich takeover. That's right, folks. This ha- this episode of Geek Stuff TNG will be all sandwich, all the time, just the lovable me for an hour straight. You're going to be dealing with my beautiful face for an hour, and I hope you enjoy it because I enjoy my beautiful face. No. All jokes aside, uh, Monty's dealing with some personal family matters. Uh, he talked about it on Discord. I don't want to rehash it out here, but everything's all right, though. Nothing major. Kev is out of the office this week. Uh, he's doing some stuff abroad somewhere in Hawaii, I believe. So it's just going to be me this week uh, running the show. So still going to be your fun little geek stuff TNG. Nothing's going to change. It's just going to be featuring mainly me, which is fantastic because I like to think I am the comedy and the pizzazz and the fun of the show. But what do I know? No one can argue with me because no one's here. It's just me. Now, before I talk about how wonderful I am, uh, first of all, it is tell a friend, folks. Tell a friend. Tell everyone you know that Geeks of TNG is a program you watch, is a program you love. Tell them about the wonderful people on there. Tell them about Mr. Big Kev and all his wonderful knowledge he brings to the show. Tell them about Monty and all the fantastic things he adds to the show. The fantastic producer. He knows a lot of stuff about horror. And, of course, tell them about me. Because, once again, I think I'm almost the most important one on this show. Easily top three hosts currently hosting the show. So, you know, I'm a bit of a big deal. If you want to let us know that you're telling your friends about the Telefriend, you'll be entered, you and your friend, into our lovely Telefriend where you and a friend are going to tell us through either our phone number, 201-730-2547, that, hey, you've been listening to Geek Stuff and you enjoyed it, or you can reach us on our email, geeksofTNG at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. You know, we'd love to see what you guys like about the show and who sent you. You'll be entered to win many fabulous cash and prizes from the Geek Stuff Archive. Very exciting stuff. So, before I go into any bit of news, I first want to jump into the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash GeekStuffTNG. For just a dollar, you can join our lovely Discord service. Talk to wonderful people like Monty. And me, and my grandmother, and Kev Quarterly, which is fun, and all the other wonderful people who inhabit our Discord. A lot of fun, interesting talks over there, a lot of nice guys. Wonderful group. For $3 a month, you'll get the early bird special. We'll get the show a day and a half early, which is usually Wednesday. Once again, Sandwich is operating the show, so we're going to see how it works. We're going to try to aim for Wednesday night. Uh, We'll see how that goes. And you also get a sneak peek at the prep sheet. Once again, it's kind of hard with the producer off for obviously important family matters. So next week, we'll get back on the prep sheet. Swear to God. And for five bucks, you get the weekend bonus show hosted by The Sandwich. Or, or even better, what if we had an hour-long sandwich shop special like today? Yes, but you don't have to pay for that. You're just getting it because you're a fan and you love us. You also get a couple vintage episodes of Geek Stuff not Geek Stuff TNG. Wow, that's the only mess up I've ever made about that of BK Geek Stuff. And for $10, you can see Instagram Live, where I finger gun you guys and, we t- and you know, funnel interaction. It's an enjoyable process. I always enjoy it, so I figured you will too. And with all that, folks, we're going to jump right into the first story that we have on the Prep Sheetica, which is Jared Leto is making his triumphant return. <laughs> to the DCEU as Joker in the Snyder Cut for Justice League. If I could edit in an audible sigh from Big Kev right now, I would. So apparently, Jared Letter's returning to DC for the Zack Snyder Cut of Justice League. Um, sources don't know if uh, Jared Letter is supposed to be in the original Justice League or not, if he was taken out. We're not really sure. Um, but, you know... This is another instance of, I think, people trying to really hype up this, you know, 
Snyder cut for Justice League and you know the Snyder cut's gonna have this it's gonna have dark side it's gonna have Joker it's gonna have a cooler you know way that Superman looks the black outfit it's gonna have all these wonderful features that were cut out and it's really gonna bring back Justice League and folks not to disparage any of those who were excited about Justice League because I mean I want Justice League to succeed but who are we kidding with this with this, this sham. Who who is honestly six? How many years later are we? Five years later. Who cares about Justice League anymore? D the DCEU, and it's very sad for me to say it. I it's dead. I don't want it to die because I really like a lot of the characters for you know DC. I I like Superman. I really do as a character. I like Batman. I like Wonder Woman. I there, there isn't a character on DC that I really dislike. You know, so it's a shame that the Justice League movie was so horrible. And besides that, Batman vs Superman wasn't really a great movie. I kind of enjoyed it, like loosely, because I thought some of the action scenes were alright. I thought the Doomsday was ugly. The Doomsday made no sense. Uh, I thought Wonder Woman was cool. I thought uh, Jesse Eisenberg. There you go, Jesse Eisenberg. Lex Luthor was kind of bad in my opinion but that's just me i i kind of like man of steel i know kevin has his gripes with man of steel and it's very over the top and he's smashing through buildings i totally get that um but i did like how they kind of humanized clark kent a little more in the movie i think they did a good job of kind of showing him you know as a more human down-to-earth figure as opposed to you know a god i feel like as some other programs are saying he is but that's just me that's just my opinion. If you have your own opinion, you can reach us over the GVM hotline, 201-730-2547. And we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. And, you know, going back to it, I I would love for the Snyder Cut to be actually good. I would. I, I don't want the movie to suck because it's just like, like I, I can't keep saying it. You know, I want it to succeed. I want good quality superhero content in the world but you know wh- who are we who are we who who are we trying to kid and say oh this this could be it the snyder cut's gonna be the difference it can't be the difference there can't have been that much movie taken out and thrown back in to change the whole movie because then at that point why are we calling it the snyder cut if not just call it a whole different movie just say it just re-release it as justice league and put it out somewhere that is an hbo max put it out on like a streaming service that's important not that hbo max isn't important but put it somewhere where the masses will see it if they had actual faith in this movie they would do that but they don't. It's a cash grab. It's them trying to pull in more people to try to revive this DCEU, which failed out the jump, which flustered and is failing. Aquaman was all right. I liked Aquaman. I liked Wonder Woman. I liked Shazam. Individually, those movies were okay. Collectively, as the DCEU, this, it cannot support itself. It just can't. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to keep trying to make these films work. And I get it. They, they've invested a lot of money into this Justice League DCEU universe. And they want it to work. And they see what Marvel has done with Disney and how they make, they've made billions on billions hand over fist. It's like Scrooge McDuck's vault. There's diving in gold coins. Literally. That's what they can do now with all their Marvel money. But Marvel also took... 10 years to make 23 movies to make a concise universe dc tried to do it in one and then two you can't do that rome wasn't built in a day the marvel cinematic universe would not have worked if they went from iron man right into civil war right into avengers that's that's not how it works also spoiler alert guys for the Warner Brothers, that's not how it was made in the comics. There's a reason that they had Batman comics, they had Superman comics, they had Wonder Woman comics, Aquaman comics. They had their own stories so they could develop their characters. And then, you know, they put them all together and it was cohesive and it felt organic and it made sense. When you're just ham-handedly putting the square in the circle peg, yeah, there's going to be problems. It's not going to work. 
And you can't just keep throwing money at it and keep saying, keep throwing movies at them. Eventually, this will stick. Suicide Squad, go! Green Lantern, go! No, you can't keep doing that. It's, it's not working. And they know it's not working. But they want money. They do. It's the problem with these big corporations. They think that, you know, we're not smart enough to see the, the, the wolf for the, the wool. It's a scam. They're trying to get us to like these movies. And nothing they can put in this Snyder Cut will make me like this movie. I like Darkseid. I don't like Jared Leto Joker, but I do like Joker, you know. I'd love to see a good Justice League movie, but it's not going to be this. You can't change the nucleus enough to make it any good. It's still going to be a bad sell. This thing cannot move any further than it has before. You know, I could ramble on about this story for a while, but keeping it in the DCEU, well, maybe the DCU, DC Comics for sure, at least. Michael B. Jordan has been tapped to produce a Static Shock movie. Uh, this came out during the week, I think, last Friday or Thursday. So he's been uh, tapped to produce the Static Shock film uh, that was apparently unveiled at the August DC Fandom fiasco debacle shit show that was the Fandom. So, you know... There's no real word, at least in this article, maybe I missed it at the fandom, on if this is supposed to be in a DCEU. I don't know for sure, but I know Static Shock generally as a character. You know, growing up, the show came out when I was a kid, so I like Static Shock the show. I know loosely about him as a comic book character. I don't know too much, I'll be honest. He was never really something that, not that I disliked him, but it wasn't really in my wheelhouse. So he's not someone I am very privy to, information-wise. But maybe this could work. You know, Michael B. Jordan, I think he's a great actor. Do I think he'll be a great producer that stands to stands to be seen? I'd love for him to make this good because Static Shock is a character that I really enjoy. You know, he has an interesting story. I think that whole Dakotaverse or whatever you want to call it with all those, you know, teenage superheroes and that kind of collective universe. I think it's cool. I think it has likes to stand on especially in this day and age where you know a lot of you know teenagers now at least in my, my age group you know the gambit of jock to geek everyone really likes comic nowadays because it's pop culture so i feel like it can be more easily portrayed to everyone i think it just makes more sense to put it out for everyone stag shock is a obviously as we know a black superhero so that's also it will be a selling point for sure so it has legs to stand on. Uh, it stands to see how Michael B. Jordan will be as a producer. He's a great actor. I liked him as Killmonger. I liked him in Creed. You know, I've liked him in pretty much every movie I've seen him in. I don't. I can't think of a movie I didn't like that he was in, besides Fantastic Four. But that wasn't really Michael B. Jordan's fault. That was kind of Fox's fault for trying to make a shitty Fantastic Four movie. But. I don't know. I think this could be something. Do I think, once again, that this will revive the DCEU and bring it back? No. What they should do with the DCEU, honestly, is just scrap it. Scrap it. Start all over again. Somewhere. Not with any of these movies that they have coming out now. and Not with Static Shock. I don't think Static Shock is how you try to you know, put a foundation in for your new branching extended universe. If you're going to make you know this kind of movie, I think... You know, it's got to be standing on its own. You can't really reference, I feel like, you know, Superman or the Justice League movie or any of that stuff. You got to kind of make this its own separate thing, you know, off to the side so that it can breathe on its own. Because tying it down to, you know, Suicide Squad and tying it down to the Justice League movie and Batman vs. Superman and all that stuff, I feel like it's just going to it's gonna drag itself in. You know, it's a shame that... We can't attach it to DCEU. It's a shame that we can't further expand on the DC Universe and movies right now. But once again, this is where Warner Brothers has put us. Warner Brothers has put us in this position of we can't, you know, support what they're doing for movies. We really can't. You know, there is a small coalition of people who will say, oh, Justice League was great and the Snyder Cut's going to really, really knock it out of the park, guys. It's going to be fantastic. 
And I don't want to disparage those guys, but like I've been saying, you can't change a whole movie. You can't. Do I think this will fix a DCU? No. Do I think it has potential to be a good movie? For sure. You know, Static Shock as a character is an interesting character. You know, he brings a cool dynamic because it's one of those, it's got that Spider-Man effect of a, a young adult who's trying to figure out how to be an adult and figuring out how to be a superhero. You know, it can lead to some really interesting stuff. And I'm excited, at the end of the day, for what comes out from a Static Shock movie. Because Static Shock, I think, in this day and age could be really cool. You know, someone that a lot of people can relate to. I think Michael B. Jordan does have potential, I will say that, to be a good producer. I think, you know, we gotta see what he decides to put out for us. It can't be any worse than any of the other movies that DCEU has put out. It can't be worse than Suicide Squad. It really can't be worse than Justice League. I mean, it can be worse, but it's really hard. You almost have to, have to, you almost have to kind of try to be worse than Suicide Squad and the Justice League movie. But who knows, you know? Maybe they can support themselves with Static Shock. Maybe they can build something over there with Static Shock. You know, maybe you do Static Shock and then maybe you bring Black Lightning, maybe not the TV one, but a different one, you know, into that fold. And then you can you can build something over there. You can build something separate. You don't need to make all of these superheroes. You don't need to make this whole universe once again in the day where Superman, Man of Steel... Batman Superman, Justice League, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman, Shazam. We're seven movies in. And the last three were good. Depending on who you ask. I think Wonder Woman's collectively been considered good. I think Aquaman collectively has been considered good. Shazam depends on who you ask. I know some people didn't like it. But you're three for seven. As a failing grade, as below 50. That's not good. So I think trying to attach this to that losing record, you know, isn't great. You can't show that off and say, look at all these fantastic movie films we have. You can't be Marvel. You can't go, depending on who you ask, at least 20 for 23. There's some people who don't like certain movies. It's at least a passing grade. You can't argue that, you know, DC doesn't have that. DC lost that ability to have a passing grade in their first two movies. Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman when they just stunk, you know. Coming off of Man is uh, not Man of Steel, Dark Knight. I was hoping that we'd have good superhero DC movies, but apparently we just can't. Apparently we're in this horrible alternate universe where DC movies kind of suck, unless done by Taika Waititi, and unless they're about not off of the wall characters, but not Batman or Superman anymore. Because apparently Batman and Superman can't be interesting characters in their movies. And apparently you can't just CGI a dude's mustache off without making it look like he has the giant chin about five feet long. You know, what do I know? I'm only a simple sandwich who is kind of invested in these materials and knows enough to know that you shouldn't have done this. But, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> and with that said, we're just going to, once again... Roll into the next story. We're going to step away from the DC Universe into a trailer that came out at the time of recording a couple hours ago. I want to say around noon, maybe a little earlier. From Disney, Raya and the Last Dragon. It's a film coming out. It's slated for 2021. But as we know, a lot of movies you know, are kind of getting pushed back or moved around. Depending on you know who's putting them out or... You know, with Disney, if they want to just put it out directly on um, the DC, the Disney, not DC, they got DC on the mind, the Disney Plus app. You know, they could do that. They're doing that with Soul, I believe. That, that was a movie that's supposed to hit theaters, but now it's going to uh, Disney Plus for Christmas, which will be nice. A nice Christmas movie to watch with the family, I guess. You know, Disney's always great. So nice little Christmas present. Uh, this movie looked interesting. Uh, it kind of has that, you know, warrior, not post-apocalyptic, because it's definitely set in, like, a medieval time. But it's got that kind of, like, lone soldier, not lone soldier, like, lone warrior kind of traversing the world looking for something fantastical. 
which is kind of cool. Disney has not really missed a mark on any movies lately that I could think of. You know, they do pretty good with these kind of adventure movies. That's what Disney's known for, in my opinion, is Princesses and Adventure. So I have high hopes for this one. I think, you know, the vibe of a woman looking for the last dragon to protect her people. Uh, actually, you know what, folks? I'll, I'll read you the synopsis. That might be a good one. Long ago, in the fantasy world of Comandra, humans and dragons lived together in harmony. But when an evil force threatened the land, the dragons sacrificed themselves to save humanity. Now, 500 years later, the same evil that re has returned and is up to a lone warrior, Raya, that's what the movie's named after, to track down the legendary last dragon. Do you get it? Do you get it? Raya and the last dragon? To restore a fractured land and its divided people. However, along her journey, she'll learn that it takes more than a dragon to save the world. It's going to take trust and teamwork as well. So, I think it looks like it's going to be an interesting movie. Um, I think it might take like over the span of a couple of years because there's a scene in the beginning of the trailer that showed like a tiny armadillo that was the main character's friend. And at the end of the trailer, it's a big armadillo, like car sized. So maybe we're going to have like a, a long spanning adventure of her looking for this last dragon. Which could be cool. You know, I always think fantasy has legs to stand on, especially in this day and age where, you know, kids love that fantasy feeling of, you know, going after dragons and adventure and all that comes with that vibe. And I think Disney, once again, has not shown recently for me that they can't do these fantastical adventure films. That's what they do. Frozen, fantastical adventure film. Moana, fantastical adventure film. I mean, Pete's Dragon, one of my favorite movies of all time. I like the older one. I haven't really seen the new one. Fantastical adventure film. I can't think of a bad film that Disney's really put out recently. Uh, besides John Carter, I didn't think that was a great movie. But that's just me. I don't know how you guys felt about John Carter. If you feel a certain way about John Carter, you can reach me at the GVM hotline. 201-730-2547. Let me know what you thought of John Connor Carter. John Carter. And uh not John Carver. That's the guy who made peanut butter. John Carter, the guy who went to Mars and had a bad movie with okay CGI. Huh. Yeah. I think Ryan the Last Dragon might do it right. Uh I don't know how I don't know why we're really attaching dates to movies anymore honestly you know i get it because you don't want to plan for the apocalypse i.e covid to never end but putting a date on a movie just feels not silly but it's like unwarned not how do i say this it seems unnecessary because why would you attach a date to the movie you're just gonna push it back i know it's in march of 2021 no it's not march it is stated oh it is march 2021 I thought it was a lot later. So right now it's March 2021, which a couple months from now. So in theory, we might be in a little bit of a safer place, COVID-related. But, you know, the way they're pushing everything back, especially Disney, they're playing it very safe. They've pushed back Black Widow into Infinity. And they've put, pushed back all the other Marvel movies into Infinity. They put out Mulan only to, I guess, get some of the money back. And even then, they put it out at twenty two ninety nine which definitely upset some people, but they didn't do that with Onward. And as of the recording of this show, I don't think they're doing that with Soul coming out on Christmas. They just said it's supposed to debut. They did not say anything about a price. So maybe it's March 2021, and then they're just going to throw it on Disney Plus in August and push it back to that. Or maybe they're going to try to, you know hold out as long as they can until they have to put it on Disney Plus. Who knows? You know, it sucks that, you know, we're almost not a full year even, but six months into this COVID stuff and it's just knocked the movie business on its ass. The whole film industry is just scrambling to try to get something going, you know? It's hard to record or film any movies or TV shows anywhere because, you know, the restrictions and rightfully so from COVID has just strangled, you know, your freedom in the realm of this 
you know, you can't go anywhere without worrying about the COVID, rightfully so, once again. And if people get sick, then it just shuts everything down again. Then you have to start some scratch. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it to go and try to film anything. You know, these animated movies, you know, thanks to technology, we can adjust and we can do, you know, an online, maybe use Zoom with your with your colleagues and you talk about how you're storyboarding or talk about how you have the equipment at home to make this movie. But, you know, it's kind of hard to have a, a Zoom meeting about when you're filming Black Widow. Not to say that's not already filmed, but you, know, you can't really do that for those kind of movies like Mandalorian's coming out at this point next week. That's very exciting. They had done most of it already. And then they were putting it out, putting it together on the computers at home so they could do that then. So maybe for Disney, they'll just be putting out a lot of animated movies, you know, for the near future so that they don't have to worry about the uh, restrictions on actors having to be somewhere. They can just, everyone work from your computer at home. We'll piece it together and we'll send it out and see what we get. Who knows? Who knows? Um, it's a little early, but I'll be honest. I'm about halfway through my prep sheet, so I'm actually going to take a break here on this episode of Geeks of TNG, our only break. Uh, uh, this episode of Geek Stuff TNG, episode 610, the one I'm calling the Sandwich Shop Takeover, to a break by saying, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Geek Stuff listeners. It's West Coast Scott here. Did you know I do a podcast with my lovely wife? Say hi, Brittany. Hi. Tell them about our podcast. We do a weekly podcast where we talk about travel, conventions, Disneyland, and our growing family. It's called the PieCast because we got married on Pi Day, and it's available wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. At Pi Day Family. And my new Twitter handle is at Pi Day Scott. Check us out. I'm James Hatton. And I'm Podcast Rob. And we're the Something Something Cast. We're a pop culture podcast that chats about movies, comics, TV, music, video games, and a whole lot more. Check us out at our home at somethingcast.com. And also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other fine podcatchers as well. Proud members of Hashtag Potter and Family and ACPN, the art, comedy, and pop culture podcast network. Build your own X-Wing. Luke Skywalker's legendary Red 5 Starfighter from the Star Wars saga. The X-Wing is recreated in stunning detail in a massive 1 to 18 scale and comes complete with remote-activated working lights, R2-D2 motorized wings, removable hyperdrive opening cockpit, and a magazine full of fascinating facts, plus an amazing step-by-step assembly guide. You will also receive a free binder, power pack, and bookends model space. Hey, this is Joe Bob Briggs, the world's greatest drive-in movie critic. Well, actually, the world's only drive-in movie critic, and you're listening to Big Kev's Geek Stuff. Live from the Sandwich Shop, the Sandwich Shop, and the Sandwich Shop, it's Geek Stuff TNG. During our commercial break, you heard from our amazing sponsors, BuildXWing.com. This model is a 118 scale, making it the only fully sc- fully scaled, fully detailed X-Wing ever made for use with your 3 and 3 quarter Star Wars action figures. This X-Wing features many amazing details like the proton torpedo bay, working engine lights, and a light-up R2-D2. You can add your own boops, bops, and beeps. The S-foils open into attack position. The laser cannons simulate firing and the engine lights power up, all by remote control. We recommend you take them up on their do-do-do-do-do-do premium offer. You get 118th scale hangar accessories to create a detailed display of your X-Wing, including crates, tanks, personnel transporter, landing lamps, fuel pump, ladder, as well as several static figures, including Luke Skywalker himself. When you sign up for your subscription each month, 
In addition to your parts of the model, you get four full-color magazines featuring instructions for the parts you've received, fascinating articles about the original models used in the movies, and more. You collect these graded source materials in a free binder, which you'll receive as part of your subscription. As a fan of collectibles, you may have seen models like this online or at shows or conventions, and I don't need to tell you the price tag can be quite high. The genius of this system is that you're paying a little each month, as well as having fun putting it together yourself. You can check out more info at buildxwing.com or reach into my phone at 877-544-6779. Check them out today. Good job, Sandwich. Oh, thank you, Sandwich. Anytime, Sandwich. You really did that ad read fantastically. I really did, Sandwich. You know, I worked really hard in that sandwich, and I just, I appreciate, you know, your 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 support and not your negativity and your bringing me down and making fun of me while I do it. I appreciate how nice you were about Sandwich. Answer Sandwich to that, I'll say. Anytime. Who would be so rude? All right. So, with that, folks, we're going to... Uh, Jump to the back half of the sandwich shop takeover with some social media news. I think I want to talk about it because I feel like it's going to be relevant to some things. I think it's I'm going to use it to highlight other important points uh, that are, I think, relevant in this day and age. Quibi is shutting down. Quibi, for those who don't know, because I kind of knew about this because I saw the ads on Facebook, was a short form mobile focused streaming service. This shutting down just six months after operation making it the shortest live streaming service to date so for those who don't know what quibi was it was basically like the thing says it's a mobile only streaming service the problem was it launched during the pandemic and it didn't really have any content really to make it a full-on streaming service it was more like i'm surprised <laughs> six months honest i'm surprised it lasted long too i saw there was a sophie turner ad that was her talking about Quibi, and that was the extent of my Quibi knowledge until I found out it uh, shut down. Uh, Quibi apparently got had two, it had two plans. There was an ad-free plan, seven ninety nine, and an ad plan at four ninety nine. Although, once again, I don't know who's really looking to get Quibi and is going to stick around to pay for ads and non-ads. It says here in the article that after the three-month free trial, they lost about 90% of their fans, 90% of the subscribers. So they went from 910,000 to 72,000 in a matter of three months. So, you know, it's a wonder that they were able to keep themselves going. Before it launched, it gathered $1.75 billion, you know, to support itself from the jump. So... It's not like it didn't have a foundation of some degree. It had people who supported it enough to get it to a billion dollars, almost two billion dollars. And there were people on there for three months, you know, when the free trial was happening. So it must have been something. But really, folks, what I want to highlight about this is that this is another scenario I've talked about on the show. I know some of you agree with me. Some of you might not. You're allowed to not agree with me. There's a very much an oversaturation of streaming services and just just these kind of like I want every everyone thinks they can get a streaming service. You know, the Peacock, Disney Plus, Hulu, Netflix, HBO Max, Quibi. And there's like 10 other ones that I, I can't even think of. You know, every TV channel now has its own private streaming service where you can watch AMC or CW or whatever the DC, the DC universe thing. If you're not coming to the table with consistent original content or content that people want, you are not going to survive. Even if they made this a dollar ad-free and maybe 50 cent with ads, even then, who's going to get this? Who is looking for more streaming services? I feel like I have a lot, and I have Netflix and Hulu, and because I kind of like anime, I just got Crunchyroll. I want to list the ones who stayed. I've got some <laughs> properties on Mars for sale. <laughs> Basically, I mean, who... I'm, I, I actually want to find out if anyone was one of those 72,000. If you know anyone... Who was one of the 72,000 people who stayed with Quibi. Uh, 
Call us to the GVM line 201-730-2547 or email us at geekstufftng.com, geekstufftng at gmail.com. I'd love to talk to them about why they stuck with Quibi after three months because, no offense to Quibi, I don't want it to be, you know, I didn't, I never want anything to fail. I want to say that off the jump. You know, there are people who, this was their job six months as it will be, but there are people who are setting this up, people who, you know, had their dreams on this. So, I don't want to see things fail. I, I don't like failure. It makes me sad to know that some poor guy might have, you know, said to his, his family, oh, I'm working at Quibi, it's going to be great, tell everyone about Quibi, and then the guy had to come home, you know, and say, honey, I got to look for a job now, especially in this pandemic. Remember, that was the big problem with this service, launching the pandemic. I understand, you know, they had to launch, because when are you going to do it? But now than never, but, you know, it's just, it, it did not have enough, I feel like, to just really keep itself stable. Well, I can't even tell you one thing that was on Quibi. I can't, I can't even, I, I, I couldn't even Google it. I, I can't think of anything that was on that streaming service. It's a shame. It's a shame. But once again, we're in a very oversaturated market. We're in a market right now where, you know, tons of streaming services are coming to us. Hulu, like I said, Disney Plus, Netflix, um, HBO Max, the there are streaming. There are enough streaming services already. The Peacock. I, I I can't even respect the Peacock. I understand people might have it and they might like it, but once again, I just, it's hard for me to. Unless you're one of the big ones, are you really even a streaming service, or are you just a TV pro- provider that decided to put out content? Although, what the hell do I know? I'm just a simple sandwich. I think Quibi. It's a shame that we couldn't get it going. It's a shame that we're at where we're at. Where, you know. That's another failure in a long line. And it's, it's, this isn't going to be the last one. Quibi is not going to be an enigma. Quibi is not going to be the last one to fail. But it's going to be the one that's fresh in our mind right now. And I guarantee you, in a year from now, if I ask anyone about Quibi, they're either going to reference the fact that they talked about it, or they're not going to know what the hell it was. What, what was the ads? Where was What was the content? What are you putting out to keep us on your app? There is a reason Netflix is around. There's a reason Hulu's around. There's a reason that Disney Plus hit the stage and just killed it. It's because there is content on these platforms that people want. There is something to keep me here. And even if I get bored with Netflix, eventually they're going to put out, you know, like I said, I like The Witcher. I like Stranger Things. I like some of the other, you know, they put out a movie recently, I feel like, Netflix, that I liked. Uh, my girlfriend likes the Haunting series, Bly Manor and the ha- the Haunting of Bly Manor and the Haunting of Hill House, I think that's what they are. They're putting out content that people like. Hulu is putting out stuff that people like. Netflix put out the, the, the Marvel shows, the Defenders, or whatever they were called. I honestly forgot. That's horrible. You know, the Punisher shows. They put out stuff that people were watching. They have karate. They have the Karate Kid series now. That's fantastic. People are looking forward to things on their platform. You know, you can't come to this. You can't come into 2020 into the streaming world and not have something to keep my interest. You know, with this segue, segues are for kids, silly ones. Disney Plus, a phenomenal, phenomenal streaming service. Mandalorian, around the corner. They got WandaVision. They got Falcon Winter Soldier. They got Loki. They got all this fantastic content. Is coming out with another TV series. A long-awaited Willow sequel is official and it's coming to Disney+. Plus. Now, I will be the first to say, I really have no clue what Willow was. Uh, I briefly read this, the, like, the quick bits in this article about Willow. Um... Apparently some Lucasfilm. I'm sorry to know a whole lot about it, but I figured this is something that Disney Plus is doing, and Disney Plus so far hasn't done anything wrong. So this is something they're putting out. It's oh, another one of those kind of like fantasy movies. It's it's on Lucasfilm, so this is the first time in a while that I could think of that Lucasfilm hasn't put out something that wasn't Star Wars. You know, I think the last thing they put out was maybe an Indiana Jones, that one with Shia LaBeouf that no one talks about. But, I mean, beyond that, Lucasfilm has been exclusively Star Wars for years. So to see them, you know, stepping away from Star Wars for a bit and going into, you know, it's still that fantasy feel, but a way more, you know, 
high fantasy fairy elves kind of feel. I think it's cool. You know, stepping back into it because Willow came out in 88, so they've done it before. Apparently, I've seen other people posting about this on Facebook. People are excited. Um, Once again, I don't know a whole lot about Willow. I'll be honest with you guys. But it looks like an interesting series. Um, Maybe I'll watch the movie. Maybe they'll get me more excited about the TV series coming out. They didn't say exactly when. They just announced it recently that it's going to come out. I don't see a date in the article here about when it's supposed to hit the screen. But apparently they're getting people back. Uh, The guy who played Willow is coming back. I don't think Val Kilmer is coming back. I could be wrong. Uh, I mean, they also just came out with the the announcement for the the show, so maybe there'll be more announcements as things come down the line. But it was a really fun comedic action. Oh, that's cool. All right, so Will's Trash coming in clutch, letting me know Willow was a really fun fantasy movie. Comedic action and fantasy. Well, Will, with that stellar recommendation, Willow will definitely be something... I put on my watch list. If I had my notebook anywhere in, in at hand, I would grab my notebook and write that down immediately. And then I'd highlight under it, Will's Trash Recommended. And then maybe I'd put like a heart there or something. Because, you know, Will's fantastic. But this isn't the let's talk about how great Will is show. This is the sandwich shop takeover of Geese of TNG. So, you know, uh, I, I hope it goes good. I'd love for more good content on Disney Plus. I'd love for this kind of feel. You know, is is a short person. It has got to be Warwick Davis. Yeah, Warwick Davis is returning. Uh, he also played uh, where the, the hell was it? Those little bear people, I think. An Ewok. He was an Ewok in uh the Star Wars movies too. Apparently, I didn't know that. I, 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 it's sad to say I don't know my Ewok actors as well as I should. That's something I'll have to look into. Uh, after I watch. Uh, Willow. I'll have to investigate uh, the Ewok actors, and then I'll investigate the Jawa actors, and then I'll investigate Willow again, then maybe I'll watch the TV show for Willow, in that exact order. All those investigations, and then more Willow. Uh, speaking of Disney+, Plus, while we're on the topic, I just want to talk about the Mandalorian trailer for Season 2. That dropped uh, not too long ago, the second trailer uh, this past week. It gave us a little more story. They didn't really give us a whole lot more. It's kind of more of that the Mandalorian is looking for more Mandalorians, I guess, to investigate Baby Yoda, which is cool. Um, you know, I'd love to dive more into Yoda's race, and I'm sure we all would, because we'd literally have no clue anything about Yoda's race. So, you know, it's interesting, and I'm excited to see where we go from here with uh, the Mandalorian. You know, we're only a week from week away, so I'm sure everyone here on the show, on Discord, in the greater geek universe will be very excited about, uh, you know, the Mandalorian Season 2. I know I'm kind of worried only in the sense of it's going to be hard to compare to Season 1, because I feel like Season 1 was phenomenal content, so I would love for Season 2 to be at least half as successful because you know more star wars content is what i want i love star wars it's one of my favorite properties so i'd love to see it succeed i just i hope that it leaves us at a good point and you know there's the rumors about pedro pascal walking away from the filming so then the back half of the season might be a little wonky there's rumors that he had arguments because of some other stuff he felt uncomfortable in the suit or whatever all that aside, I just hope we get a good season two. I hope, you know, we learn more about, I'd like to learn more about Yoda's race, species, whatever you want to call it. I'd love to just explore Mandalorian culture a little more because that's not something I really know a lot about in Star Wars. I know some things, but I'm not as well versed as, you know, maybe a Kev or maybe someone out there in the Discord. If you know anything about Mandalorians, you can reach me at the GVM hotline 201. 730-2547 or you can email us at geeksoftng at gmail.com uh, let me know what you know about Mandalorians we'd love to hear from you guys anyways because you guys are just such wonderful lovely people just the best of us 
that you get to listen that you listen to me ramble for an hour and you actually get some kind of enjoyment out of it that just inflates my ego enough to make me want to continue doing this <laughs> sorry sorry I had, to, I, I had to make myself feel important there for a minute and the last bit of news before I go into a little product. Yes, I have product. It's not a pre-approved product, but something I got in the mail that I want to talk about. Uh, DC announces a Future State event. Uh, so Future State apparently is the next uh, event, multiverse event happening in DC after Death Metal, the Dark Knights thing, uh, wraps up in January. And what I want to say about this, and what I wanted to say about comics in general to me, is that I, how do I say this? I like the idea that we're shaking things up constantly and that things are always getting introduced and things are always changing. I like that. I do. But I, I always, it feels cheap that we just finished this multiversal change and we got introduced to the, the, you know, the metal, the other universe Batman and you know all that cool you know there was the the flash evil flash batman the evil green lantern batman and you know all that cool stuff that was in the the death metal thing that was cool but i feel like it's too soon that we end death metal say in late january and then we jump into this future state whatever you want to get the future state you know right after that and it just feels kind of silly to me to immediately do another big world-changing event. I feel like we we just wrapped up Doomsday Clock. Rebirth isn't too far behind us. Death Metal. Future State now. It just seems silly. And using that as an avenue to introduce, you know, new superheroes. You know, they said in the article about this that there'll be a new Batman there's going to be a new Wonder Woman. Um, Superman isn't going to be the same Superman. It's going to be his son. Uh, there's going to be a different Green Lantern, I believe. A different Flash. That's fine, but I feel like we don't need to change the multiverse every time we introduce new superheroes. You know, we, we, we pretend that we're not living in a world, at least in the DC, where superheroes just pop up all the time and people are just walking down the street with superpowers. There's how many different flashes? There's how many different Green Lanterns? Why don't we just introduce a new one more organically then? Okay, right after this multiverse changing event, another multiverse changing event. Oh, what's after Future State? What's the what's the next step after Future State? Past State? Is is it Crisis on Infinite Future States? Crisis on Infinite Future State Death Metals? What what are we leading to? Where where are we going with this? What what is the point of reinventing the wheel again and making these characters it's just it doesn't make sense to me to just make up these characters for the sake of for what to sell more comics to create controversy what's the point there's a difference between making an interesting compelling story they have three crossover major events every year to pump up readership without regards to the yeah really what what's the content continuity of dc what's the continuity of marvel is it really that we just change the multiverse every two seconds? Because that's no fun. It's no fun that it, I haven't read DC in a while. That's just me. Not Nothing bad about them. I just haven't picked up a book in a while. All the characters I know are different now. Who's dead? Who's alive? Who's now this superhero? Who also is this superhero? Why are we changing things? Why do we have to why do we have to change the literal multiverse every time to get more readers interested in the material? If you just write good stories, you will get people interested in comics. I didn't get into comics because they had, you know, re revamped the multiverse for the millionth time. I got into comic books because, you know, I saw I saw stories that interested me. I went to my comic shop and I saw, you know, the comics that I'd only seen as movies, you know, like I have uh Batman Under the Red Hood, I have V for Vendetta, which is a comic, OG, uh Watchmen, you know, I have these products that oh, cool, I saw this somewhere else as a medium, and then it got me into it. 
this isn't going to get people into reading your DC comics. This isn't going to get people, you know, from Marvel. How many civil wars can you have? How many wars can you have before you just stop having wars and introduce people to comics in a more reasonable way? We've been through two civil wars. We had the Hydra War thing where there was a Hydra Captain America. We had the Secret Wars where everyone was a Kroll or whatever the heck it was. Like, what's the point? What's what's the point of changing how these characters interact and operate if if it's not going to introduce anything new? Like, they're going to revamp the multiverse and they're going to introduce these new characters. And if they don't stick, they're going to throw them at the wayside and not use them. I've seen it happen before where they've, you know, redid the multiverse. They've introduced new characters. They had like a two minute run, maybe a mini series, and then they drop them and then they fall into obscurity. And maybe they're in the back of a panel in a major event somewhere else down the line. You can say, oh, look, there's Slapstick or oh, look, there's this guy. Oh, look, there's whoever this other mutant that's irrelevant but it's just it it makes no sense to just revamp the multiverse for the hundredth time it makes it harder for me to get into comics the big name comics like marvel and dc and enjoy them more when we just you know we change the multiverse for the hundredth time and make someone else the superhero just not fun for me you know, I'm, it makes me want to go back instead, and like I've been doing, I'm not reading, you know, DC Marvel stories anymore really as much. I'm trying to find, you know, I want to go back and read The Boys. I want to go back and read more uh, Walking Dead. I want to go back and read uh, Invincible. I want to go back and find those other stories that aren't from the main, you know, two companies. Because there's good stories out there where they don't need to change the multiverse and they don't need to, you know, kill someone to make an interesting story. They can do it with the characters they have in the, the universe they've built. And that's fantastic. And I love that. Just to wrap it up, I really think that after this future state, and just generally in comics, I think we need to slow down on revamping the multiverse a little bit. I think the multiverse has had enough shaking, you know, you can only shake the ball so much. You can only shake it so much before, you know, you don't know what's inside anymore. It's just a, a, a mangled mess of who's Captain America, who's Wolverine, who's Hulk, who's Hawkeye. I don't know. You, you flip, you just pick a name. That's who's Captain America today. Uh, today, Captain America is uh, Tony. Tony Stark is Captain America today. And then Iron Man will be played by Do- Dr. Strange is, is, is Iron Man today. Why? Why? I'm gonna, I'm gonna end the, uh, the the rambling about uh DC there for a little bit to introduce some product, guys. Yeah, I br- I have my own product. I'm gonna steal some Kev. This is from the Sandwich Archives, i.e. my room. You're looking at it right now. If you're looking at Instagram Live, welcome to the the Sandwich Archives. Uh, this my uh Eli Manning poster. Because I like Eli Manning. And then my hats, as we are well-versed in my hats. And the product I'm introducing you guys to today, uh, I talked about it on the show briefly. The Mutants and Masterminds Deluxe uh, Player's Handbook. This is the uh, basically the giant version of the Player's Handbook. Because there is a basic version that's about 200 pages gives you a more generic kind of rundown of how to be a superhero and this one is a much more complicated 400 page uh, version of how to be a superhero Uh, this ran me about 40 bucks on um amazon and as i mentioned on the show i of course play DD, but i want to branch out into uh some other uh role-playing games kev mentioned gurps but I've already kind of invested myself into this Mutants and Mastermind system because it looks the most interesting to me. Not that GURPS doesn't seem interesting, but, you know, it seems the most intriguing. And upon looking into this Mutants and Masterminds book, um, I kind of wish I had gone into GURPS because it's kind of hard to start out in this Mutants and Masterminds system. Now, what do I mean by that? It's not very 
beginner friendly i feel like i f if i were to start this game or know people who had been playing this game before then probably i'd enjoy it a lot more probably i'd be able to understand it more but mutant of the masterminds for me someone new and for my friends who've all never played it very much not very new player friendly it's very much kind of hey I need you to figure this out. I'm not going to tell you how to figure it out. I'm going to kind of tell you how to figure it out without telling you. Good luck, have fun, and buy more books. Because another problem with this game is that you need like five books to play it. It's not like D&D. &D. And once again, D&D &D is the exception because it's a brilliant system. It's been around for a long time. So they have enough time to really work out the kinks. But... You know, D&D, &D, you really only need the player's handbook to start. You don't need anything else if you're just being a player. If you're going to be a DM, you know, you get maybe player's handbook, dungeon master's guide, and then maybe a campaign. So you can just start there and you can learn as you go. For this, it's like I need the player's handbook, the deluxe player's handbook, the GM guide, the powers book, which just so people know, there was a very limited run on the powers book. So it's very expensive to buy. Well, how expensive could it be, Sandwich? Well, uh, in interested viewer, the power book for Mutants and Masterminds runs for about $800. Now, I said $800. $800.00. That's right, $800 for a book dis dis explaining how the powers work in the game. With that said, do you need the powers book? No. Why? Because you can Google it, and it's a lot easier, and it's not $800. Well, I understand this is a smaller company, but there's a reason that you should just simplify your game a little more. You know, I'm kind of mad that I've invested so much into this game. No, not that it's enough that I can't just move on from it. 40 bucks here, there's 100 bucks of books that I've bought that I'm going to play it because I have it. I kind of wish I had done GURPS. I kind of wish I had just tried to convert D&D into this. It's my own fault. Um, do I think mutants and masterminds can be fun? Yes, I think it has potential to be fun. Do I think you need to be playing it with people that you know? Absolutely. You need to be playing it with someone who knows what they're doing when they play this game. It's very hard for me. You know, I can I can DM a and d game, no problem. I'll understand how things work. If things don't work, it's easily Googleable, and I can get the answer very quickly. For this game... It's not very quick to get your answer. It's not very intuitive to get your answer. It's kind of figure it out or make it up as you go along. I don't like that. Part of the fun of playing these games is you know, you kind of know your limits and you can extend the limits. But if they don't tell you what the limit is, you don't know where to stop or where to start. You know, maybe I've been spoiled by D&D, you know, because it, once again, I don't want to blow up D&D's ego any more than it's already been blown up but it's a phenomenal game and it's very intuitive I feel like to learn maybe that's just me but if you, there's enough people who play it that if you talk to someone who's played the game before you can get into it very easily I don't know anyone who's played Mutants and Masterminds I've reached out I on reddit to people to try to learn and honestly maybe this is just me it wasn't very welcoming you know, people weren't saying, hey, I can help you, or hey, if you need some help, here's this easy link. It was kind of like sw sink or swim. And my D&D experience, this is just my experience, has been way different than that. It's been more like, oh, you're struggling a little bit? Here, let me help you. Let me point this out to you. Here, instead of getting this spell, which is great, maybe try this spell. It's a little better, and I feel like it'll help you express your character a little more. This means the mastermind system isn't very intuitive to that. You know, it's not. I thought when I was getting into this that, oh, it's different than D&D, &D, but I can take a lot of the same thought processes and same, you know, kind of ideas and just throw it there. Different sport, but running is running. You get what I mean? It's not this. It's not that it's a different sport. It's like a whole different category. It's like, okay, you're good at math. Now write me a novel. It's, it's it's so different. It's so 
alien to me, and it's a shame, because I love superheroes, that's my first love, you can ask anyone who knows me from when I was little, I used to talk about superheroes all the time, I would bother my mother every day by asking her, mom, if you could have any superpower, what would you want to have? Why? Because I wanted to hear people make up powers. I always thought it was interesting that superheroes were just so cool to me and that it's my first love of in this geek culture and geek fandom is superheroes. So it's a shame that I can't roleplay a superhero appropriately without 800 pages of content. It's just not fair. It's not good. Overall, maybe this game can be fun if you know someone who knows it already. Otherwise, I don't recommend this book as something to jump into. Like, don't don't get this on a whim unless you're willing to invest a lot of time and a lot of hours as opposed to D&D personally. That's just me. When I got into D&D, it was very much, you know, you jump into it. There's a little, there's a little struggling. You know, you, you're not full swim, you know, but I'm not drowning in content. I'm not, I can't get my head above the water. It was fine. I had no problems. But. To calm down and control myself. Overall, I don't recommend me to masterminds. Uh, follow Cavs Device. Maybe look into GURPS. Or, you know, maybe right now, take a. Maybe don't do the superhero thing. DD is a safe space. Uh, very user friendly. Maybe go back to DD. Or if you want to try it, try it. Maybe you'll have a better experience than I have did not have a very good experience trying to figure out the system and like i said it's a shame because i wanted it to work but maybe not maybe in an, another life maybe with other people it'll work with that said folks i do hear the wrap-up music playing you can catch us every wednesday at geeks of tng we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter and you know check us out on our website geeksoftng.com you can find Monty at Monty's Mayhem, M-O-N-T-E-S-M-A-Y-H-E-M. He's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. He's on Snapchat. He's on LinkedIn. He's on Tumblr. He's on Bumble. He's on RuneScape. He's on Xbox. He's you can check me out at Fat Dumbledore, F-A-T-D-O-M-B-L-E-D-O-R-E. And you can check out Mr. Big Kev at BK Geek Stuff on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, folks, I'm going to bring this lovely episode of Geek Stuff TNG to a close. The way we end some episodes by saying, Good night, James Randy. Wherever you are. And on that note, we cue the music. <laughs> <laughs>